Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, animals of all varieties, we are here with the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, <laughs> and here with my wonderful co-host, Miss Lisa Geyer, and our guest today is the great Charlie Ferentz. Yeah, yeah. about time. Very excited to have him here. He was scheduled as our very first <laughs> guest. I don't know if you remember that or not, but yep. you were I do to remember. Be, you were supposed to be the very first guest for the podcast. And uh, that was in May. That was 1967. Yeah, yeah. And that was rain check, rain check, rain check, rain check. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? It's happening now. This is a fant- This is like this is a fantastic space. It is great, right? It is. It is great. It's great. If I can keep it warm enough in here, we'll keep doing it. It's here. awesome right now. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Out. I got a little air conditioning unit in the summertime, so yep. hopefully we can keep it. Groovy. Keep it uh, the temperature nice enough in here to keep doing it. So thanks for having me. So glad that you are here. Yeah. Thanks for being so, had. <laughs> we are. Uh, we've just been hanging out, talking about all kinds of stuff beforehand, movies and music and yep, babies, uh, babies, babies, yep, grandbabies. Uh, wow, yeah, Charlie's got a lot How are we that old? How are how are we? I don't know what. Enough? I don't know when it happened. No, when did it happen? I'm still not convinced it did happen yet. Uh, there are moments a, that I'm in it that I'm like, yeah, no, I'm. And there's no such thing as time. No. You know. There's no such thing as time. That's why it's going faster and faster. Yeah. I'll be 36 in my head till I die. <laughs> How is that? I'm 62. I know. That's amazing. That's crazy. Now, that's that, crazy. That's, you that's do not crazy. look, you don't look 62. No, well, amazing. I don't feel 62. <laughs> no. But I'm 62. And, and 62 you don't dye is your hair at all? No. You can see. Yeah. No, there's just a little bit of gray in it. It's, but the, it's, it's, the, almost, fair, it's the fair in hair, man. It's almost all black. My, my son still, has long hair. Yeah. All one length. Not yeah. Long. Yeah. It's gray hair. Yeah. So, awesome. so, uh, 62. Now that's an old dude. Well, it used to be. Well, it, you know, when I was a kid, 62 was an old dude. Yes. Yeah. But dudes who were 62 probably didn't feel that all. They probably went, what happened? Yeah. But I think I it's feel, di- no. I think it's different now. I think the think? evolution of it. Yeah, I think we're a little bit different because people yeah, who are look at sure. how old is McCartney? Seventy. Yeah, he's in his seventies. It's got to be. Yeah. So how is he seventy? Like he's Paul McCartney. Like it's, you know what I mean? He's Things still just, singing great. Too. Oh my god! I mean, that's what's crazy is that usually in your seventies, that's where you go. All right, people are starting to wrap things up right about now. Yeah. He doesn't look. He's gonna. It looks like he's why gonna be you? a rock star for another twenty years. Yeah. Why would yeah, you? He's, you know? he's fantastic. Yeah. Why I well maybe that's part of it for us that it's our it's what we do for a living that keeps us young. Maybe yeah, the music, the whole thing could be maybe. Yeah, Hustle. your heart. Maybe Hustle. I don't know. And I mean that's we a would. big part of why I'm, I've been a musician is because I uh, am not not uniquely qualified enough to work for other human beings very well. So, <laughs> I was waiting to uh, see how that was going to come out of you because I knew well, where it was going. <laughs> well, I'm just uh, you know I'm not. Uh, uh, um, um, Mature wise, probably about a 13 year old. So, uh, I'm a 13 year old boy trying to, <laughs> you know, I think if you stay a 13 year old boy in your brain, yeah. you probably reflects that uh, as you, as I get to be 62 years old. That's right. I'd still, I'll still feel like a 13 year old kid. That's Farts right. will still be funny. And, that's right. You know, they always have been. They yeah. always have been and always will be till the end of time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, how you got started. 
Um, and you you come from a musical family? Um, I do. I, um, you know, I do in that I have three sisters, and we would go on car trips and we would sing. I come from an Irish family, and it was not uncommon. You know, your uncles and cousins would come over, or you'd go and visit someone, and you'd have a meal, and then everybody would sing, you know. And uh, so we would sing in the car, and we would, you know. My dad had a, a, a little guitar that I still have, a little silver tone. I oh, have a cool. silver tone, too. Really old, little tiny one. And, an electric. And um, uh, my sister played banjo in a band. She had a band when she was in high school called the Gemini Players. Yeah. And there were two Irish girls and two Jewish girls. And so they would play in Irish and Jewish old age homes. Oh my gosh. And I thought <laughs> that's that was- a pretty niche. It's like a, very, a, it's a very niche. Uh, all the time. Wow. And, um, uh, she played banjo. There was a 12 string, a 6 string, and a girl played tambourine. Can and you tell me what year this is? This would have been, I would have been in, um, seventh and sixth or seventh grade. Oh, that's and uh, she would have been in junior high school, just yep. a few years older than me. And I thought that was so cool that you could have a band. What? Yeah. yeah. You know, so I started, had a band in high school. Um, and we didn't work, but we practiced, right. you know. But I, I thought this is, um, in my junior year, my band won, a, won a, a contest. Junior Varieties, we called it. And we won, you know, best of show doing a song that I wrote. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to do this for a living. What's this the song, fantastic. Charlie? Remember? I don't remember the name of the song. Oh! <laughs> but but it was uh, I, I played it on a twelve string, a Fender electric twelve string, and I tuned the high E string to fifths, and played the whole song on that one string. No way! <laughs> I did. <laughs> and, That's um, so great. And so I I knew then that that I wanted to do music, um, uh, and started you know. Different, different bands and, you know, you've played around with different guys and, um, uh, finally got into a band called Live Lobster. That was my first <laughs> professional band. That's like the free, free bear and chicken. Is that the, yeah, yeah. trying, trying to, yeah. trying to get people's attention for the wrong reasons? Yep. But <laughs> trying to, trying to get people to take notice. Live Lobster yeah. Live tonight. Lobster's over here. <laughs> There's a band out of, uh, I think is out of, I think they're out of Connecticut called Free Bear and Chicken. Yeah. That's oh, how really? they would get people's attention. They were like, Free, free beer and chicken. chicken. <laughs> Holy shit. Now they're paying attention to the poster because right. it's free. So that's the same kind of idea. Live Maybe. lobsters. It was, it was Did not, it, work? it was not my band. I joined the band. Ah. Um, and I wasn't playing guitar. I just sang. I was a front man. Yeah. And it was a really good band. Um, Bobby Sutton was in it. Oh, wow. And Bobby Sutton, I went to high school with him and he was, he was in the hot, you know, the hot band. Mm. And, and um, what year was this? Bella? I graduated in 71. That's so huh? And so, uh, I was born in 73. We were 10, we're 10 years apart. <laughs> yeah. Charlie and I are 10 years apart because I'm 52. I graduated in 81. We're 10 years apart. Yeah. And we're 20, I'm 42. So look at that. Oh, yeah. perfect. Bing, bing, bing. My wife's yeah. 32. Look at that. Wow. wow. It's all about the 10s. It's all oh, the 10s. 22. <laughs> no. You can lie. You can Fats lie. Is out. <laughs> Make it work. Okay. Make it work. Work with us, Fatsa. I graduated in 2000. <laughs> oh, ah, so there it is. Um, we played everywhere. We we played maybe forty, forty to forty five weeks out of the year. Wow. Yep. Traveling from Philly to maybe Syracuse to yep. maybe. And this is Live Lobster. Yeah. Wow. And we would play five or six nights a week, mm-hmm. um, and we would play five or six sets a night. And uh, so that it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> 
not that's like not, that. You can't do that anymore. No, but we would work There's, all the time. Because yeah. that's a ama- that's an amazing thing. That's a crazy schedule. Everybody did that. And that's yeah, right. I was doing it in the eighties. Yeah, right. I did the same thing in the eighties. This is in the same 70s. way. Five and six yep. nights a week, and you have to have to bring your own PA. Oh yeah, no place had PAs. You had lights, to bring your own PA, lights. The whole thing. Yeah. So, and you, we would travel in the line of cars yep. with the gear in the cars, yep. and um, and we we would go out and stay out for five, four, five, six weeks at a time. We come back and have a few nights off. Even Katie's in Kenmore Square was the big place around here to play, mm-hmm. and uh, in Boston, and that was you played. Seven nights a week, seven sets a night. Wow. Jesus. Two, two weeks. How many, at how time. long was the set? They're short. 40, They're 40, 40, 40s, right? 40, 20. 40, yeah, 20. I remember seven it too. 40 minute sets a night. 40 minutes on 20 hours. Like Katie's. Most of them were five sets a night. Most places were yep. five. How Katie's was seven. How complete hell does your voice survive that? You learn. Yeah. I guess A lot so. of guitar solos. To... Yeah. And we were playing, we were playing, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac and Jeff Beck and, you know the the kind of music that wouldn't let you get paid a lot of money. Yeah, we yeah, weren't yeah. doing the hits, but you know, Badfinger. Um, we'd play in songs that we liked. It was fun, and we had Good we night. had we had fun. So I did that, and then I I quit that band because um, I wanted I wanted to do originals. Yeah, and and I was writing originals, and I was playing guitar, and I wanted to play guitar. So I went to work at Boston Music Company and said about putting together a repertoire and getting an original band together. Oh, and that was Balloon, yeah. Balloon, yeah. And um and we we worked hard to try to get that started. It was you, you couldn't get work if you were an original band then. That's right. Right. Yep. Um and uh so um I worked at Boston Music and um do you remember Boston Music? I don't. Oh. Those were good years for me. So I loved working there and um started recording learning how to record Mm -hmm. and the first thing that i recorded i did it myself with bobby sutton in my bedroom i lived at home Mm -hmm. uh and it turned out to be listen to the rock a little four track Uh, a four track yeah i have drums on one track and then i would just bounce and bounce Bounce and bounce and bounce bounce. um but that song got played all over new england right in rotation and it put us on the map and that's um, when Ahmet Erdogan started knocking on your door. This, this was much, quite, quite a long time before Ahmet Erdogan. Yeah. But um, that wasn't what he he would liked. But we did we did uh, listen to the rock in East Coast West Coast, mm-hmm. and they both got played in the radio. It was getting played in Connecticut, Rhode Island, and because because of Charles Lockwood era. Yeah, Charles. yeah, yeah. Because Charles loved it. And Charles was the guy. And radio was different then. Radio was different now. then. Yeah, and he was and a giant back then. Yeah. He was he the was guy. The he was man. the man. Yeah. And, and if he played it, everybody would play it. Yep. If BCN was playing if Charles played it, everybody at BCN played it. Yep. And if BCN was playing it, everybody was playing it. Because yep. BCN yeah. was the only station. And so that was a huge break for me, for us. so yeah. funny how everything has changed oh, so yeah, much, so how a radio station could be that much of a driving force. It was. That's and what it was it, all about. It was, music scene it was. So it was far, what you and it drove be, for. And, and now radio stations are so don't have they, they don't have. There's no driving force. They no. don't. They don't have any influence. On, it's different. Like, this is the new. This is the new underground radio. Yeah, it is. Right. It is, you <laughs> know? Yeah, this is it. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like a little morning clip every morning. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a silly I little thing. It. I see it just about every day. Yeah, I'm gonna go out, get the on, mail. On you know, it's yeah. Nice day, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so because you can't, you want to get exposed, but you can't keep saying, "Come to my gig, come to my gig, come to my gig." Yeah, yeah. So I do this little silly thing. 
Um, I told you earlier, I, I've done some shows down in Texas recently. Yeah. And uh, people, I'm thinking nobody's going to know me, you know. And I go down and open for Rick Emmett. Um, and after my set, it's really well received. After my set, there's a, you know people lining up with Fahrenheit Records and Joe Perry Project Records. Mm-hmm. That's great. And two thirds of them, ninety percent of them say, "I love those little morning things you That's do." So great. And so it, yeah. it's this is the new radio. <laughs> it you know? is. Yeah. You know. It is. And and so radio, I still have a lot of friends in radio, but. Uh, uh, this so is different. the new radio. It is the new radio because my, my friends in radio, when I talk to them, I'm like, remember when radio used to be like have someone on and you have a conversation about music and you get this excitement? And they're like, yeah, those days are gone. Yeah, you know. But you're right. This is it. This is it. This so is it. It's it's fun. It's great to be doing this. Yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, balloon. We started playing in you know selling out clubs. Yeah. You know. Uh, we were playing at the club in Cambridge. Yeah, that's big. Um, played at the Rat. The Rat. We were playing the and Rat selling Gala. tickets. Yeah, Rat Scala, yeah. Um, but the place to play at that time, um, this was after, a Balloon was really after Katie stopped. Mm-hmm. But we were doing really well and, and, you know, filling rooms and playing a lot and it was exciting. Uh, and I was writing, uh, Amit was interested. Um, Atlantic was interested in the, the tapes I was making. Mm-hmm. I wasn't making tapes with the band. Yeah. I was making tapes by myself. Uh, but then, That's, uh, that has to be exciting. That has to be exciting when somebody of that stature is knocking on your door. Oh yeah, it was. It was. And how, well, if, Charlie, do you remember how that connection happened? Uh, we were just sending tapes out and, okay, and like we all did. Yeah. <laughs> Send them out. And, uh, our, one of our tapes landed, one of my tapes landed on, the desk of a fellow named Aziz Goksal. Mm-hmm. And he was, he um, liked, he thought that my sound was cubist, he called it. Cubist? Cubist. Because it was, it was very, <laughs> it was very chunky and had a certain kind of funk to it. And um, he, he really liked it and he was playing it. And he, and Ahmed heard some of my music because. Because he was playing it. Because Aziz was playing it in his office. Wow. Cool. Aziz was his nephew. Oh, oh wow. so he heard it. He <clears throat> said, "Who is this artist?" Uh, Charlie Farron. Oh, you know, interesting. And then um, I got I got the Joe Perry gig. Yes. And the, and the guys in the band were disappointed, but I couldn't say no to that opportunity. How are you saying no to that? Yeah, you can't. How can you? <laughs> so I auditioned for that. I remember they had the auditions at at the Orpheum. Wow. Which, which was a trip. Do you know? Do you remember any of the other people that auditioned? I knew. I knew. A lot of them. I didn't know all of them. There were probably maybe 20 guys with guitars huh. sitting around the, the thing. And I knew some of them. I couldn't remember who they were, though, now. Um, but I was really confident. You know, I knew I knew yeah, that yeah. I was going to get this gig. You've been playing a lot, too, so you have that thing behind you. I, yeah, I felt really good about it, and, and uh, I got the gig. Awesome. You know, Don Law was managing Joe, mm-hmm. and um, it was fantastic because we were rehearsing in someone's basement, the first show we did, I think, was was at the Springfield Civic Center with Ozzy. <laughs> you know, and that was a trip. You know, to to wow to get that. You know, boom. You know, there you, there yeah. we are. So um, fantastic. That was a fantastic run. We we toured with uh, uh, Ozzy. Yeah. How uh, long for the, How long was that? Well, we didn't. We would pick up legs of tours, so we oh, would okay. get. Yeah. And I, I know we'd go out and do. Ten shows with Ozzy, and then we'd do five shows with Judas Priest, and you know, uh, five nights with uh, 
Rush. Yeah. Uh, Kansas, Alice Cooper. Cool. Was yeah. crazy fantastic. Cool. Um, Ozzy, uh, Randy Rhodes was in Ozzy's band. Yeah. So yeah. that was before. Um, so many. I can't even think. Scorpions. Scops. <laughs> um, yep. I can't, can't even. How remember. long did that last? I remember seeing you guys at the, um, uh, like a Capitol Theater in Concord. You just, just you guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Capitol Theater. The Orpheum. We played the Orpheum. Yep. Um, that was, uh, over a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic, you know. But, uh, you know, the, J- Joe's story is famous. Um, for me, I remember it as a real rush. And, and, uh, Tim Collins came in. Um, and it was clear f- to me anyway that Tim wanted to get Aerosmith back together. Of course. And, um, so me and David kind of thought maybe it's time for us to, you know, we were doing a lot of writing together. David's a fit. David Hall, fantastic yes, so writer. Great. And so we thought, you know, now it's probably time to jump while, while we're still kind of hot. And how old were you then? Um, I was, tw- uh, 27 when I started. Joined. So this was, wow. yeah. So David and I left and we, we put together a band with some of the guys from Balloon. Yeah. Yeah. It was called The Enemy. And, wow. uh, we went back to Atlantic. And um and Ahmed came out to see the enemy. Um he would come and he came came to my house and what he would do is he'd get on a plane and he'd send his driver from New York to drive to Boston so he'd have his limo <laughs> around Boston. He didn't want to drive he didn't want to drive to New York, but he wanted to have his car there when he got there. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> want to drive, but he'd have his driver drive. So so his hit the car I lived on Beacon Street at the time and he'd double park his his limo in front of the <laughs> my apartment. And they just come down and listen to records, hang out, That's wanted to see cool. my studio, wanted to see where I lived. And we just hung out, listened to records, talked about music. It was very cool. And he came to see The Enemy, and he didn't like The Enemy. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, good band, but I already have a lot of bands like this on my label. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't need another one. I don't want another one. I, I want you on my label, though. Mm-hmm. So so well, I went to New York and... um uh, brought, brought an acoustic guitar and played Impossible World and Crazy Moon. And he says, okay, I want, I want you on my label. And we went, we left with papers, you know. Yeah. Contract, yeah. That's so great. Was that a hard move? I mean, like, cause you're leaving the band behind. Well, uh, you know, again, right? I know. So they, they weren't happy with me, but, I know. but you know something, you know, these, these opportunities, you gotta take the you opportunity. You have to take them in. And yeah. he, he didn't, he thought the band is good, but not distinctive. We already have bands like that. Right. So I want you. You're distinctive. So the, the founder and head of the company, you know, it wasn't yeah, an AR was. guy. Yeah. He said, I want you on my label. So that's the type of thing you'd say yes to, of right? Course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to think too long. No. So, so, um, that was awesome. I'd never end up making a record on Atlantic. Wow. He said, we can't, I want you to write. And I'm going to, you know, he was going to be my mentor, right? Yeah. He was going to listen to my songs and critique the songs and play it for the people in the company and give me feedback. And it's called the development deal because we can't get this music on the radio. It's the kind of music I'm doing now, by the way. Yeah. Solo right, right. acoustic. That's right. Yeah. And we'll talk about the record I'm coming out with soon. All right. <laughs> um, to hear about it. So, so, so he's, I, I love it and I want it on my label, but we're not going to make the record until radio was ready for it. So I said, all right. So, you know, 
um, went into the studio. I wanted to do my own recording, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started writing and listening and sending him stuff, and he'd call me back, and we did that for a year. Yeah. And, and me and David were working together too. Yeah. Writing. And, uh, finally, you know, David said, um, you know, we should start a band. And me and we started playing, uh, with, with Muzzy and just jamming. And it was sounding really, really good. And I said finally to Ahmed, you know, I gotta, I gotta go out and play. Mm-hmm. I can't just hang out here and write and wait for you to hear something that you yeah, think you yeah. can get So he let me off the, out of the deal. Wow. And, wow, um, really cool. And, uh, we really quickly, um, started recording and got a deal. Uh, I was doing a thing with the a band called the New England All-Star Jam Band. Right. And it was Skunk, <laughs> Baxter, yeah. Yeah, James Rogarmy, John mm-hmm. Butcher, mm-hmm. uh, Franny mm-hmm. Sheehan, um, okay. uh, you know, like that. Um, and I met all the Boston cats, all the Boston cats, but, uh, somehow, uh, Roger Earl from Foghat was, was there. So, he was tossed in the mix. He was tossed in the mix. Great guy, became a good friend. And his manager, he was in Foghat. Yeah. So we did about 15 dates. Wow. We got on the bus, did about 15 dates. It was a blast. Mark Rivera, who plays now with Elton John. Um, uh, and the last date was at the Chandler in Boston. Okay. And, um, Fahrenheit was opening. I was going to open and then be in the gym band. So we opened, and Roger's manager was in the audience. And afterwards came back and said, I want to manage you guys, and I'll get your deal on Warner Brothers. All right. So I thought, that's that's not the way it works. Right. So uh, about two weeks later, so he ta- he taped us. Yeah. Right? He taped us live. And... A couple of weeks later, I get a call. Yeah, uh, Charlie Farron, yes, this is uh, Russ Thyrett, Warner Brothers Records. I uh, want to offer you guys a record deal. <laughs> so I said, I think he thought somebody was talking with you. I said, I'll tell you like, what. Who is who this? Is this? <laughs> who is this? So I said, I'll tell you what. I'll tell my you what. cousin Mikey. Johnny A. <laughs> well, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you back at, at Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I called Warner's. And they connected the call to him, and he said, "Do you believe me now?" <laughs> and he was the head of uh, promotions at Warner Brothers. And uh, bang, we got it like one of those A plus, you know, wow. A plus deals. How, how many wow. times had Fahrenheit played out at that time? Because you were out with this jam band thing, so hardly at all. Wow, hardly at all. I love that What's I've known the... you all these years, and I know yeah, none of yeah, this. I love isn't this. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah we ha- we hardly played at all, and and uh, it was like so quick and. Um, if you had to put a number on it, what would you say? Well, five um, gigs, twenty? No, not not twenty. Yeah. Because Handful. you were doing the other thing. Yeah, we were doing enemy gigs. Yeah, and uh, so under ten. Gigs. No, not under ten gigs. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's great. So great. Under ten gigs. Under ten gigs. Gets signed. A, gets signed to Warner Brothers. Yeah. Of <laughs> um, one show. To, yeah, signed to Warner Brothers, and we got like a we got like a big budget for the record, and we had a wow. rock star producer, Keith Olsen, mm-hmm. and Keith Olsen did like all of the big hits in the eighties. You know, he did the White Snake records. Yeah. He did the Fleetwood Mac hits, Pat Benatar hits. Uh, I can't even think. Any anybody yeah. that you can name, yeah, he, yeah. he yeah, did. He was the man. He was the guy. So we got him, and we went out to L.A. for a month and did the record. You know, um, and it was what record? Crazy. It was Fahrenheit, the Fahrenheit yeah. first record, right. the only Fahrenheit record. Yeah. So, um, and it was really uh, a fun time. 
um, we then we toured with Boston, which was the big tour of the yeah, summer yeah. that year. Oh, that's great. I know. Crazy great. And the second gig was at the, um, I'll tell you about the first gig. The second gig was at the Cotton Bowl at the Texas Jam mm-hmm. with Aerosmith. Uh, Boston was headlining, uh, White Snake, Aerosmith, Tesla, and Poison. Good Lord. And you yeah. guys. And us. And you guys, right. Um, Fahrenheit. What a crazy yeah. lineup that is. I know. Well, so the, the, the blessing and curse of touring with Boston was that the whole tour was sold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't have to advertise. They're not going to spend money on advertising, right? So Boston hadn't played in eight years. The audiences were crazy for them. And when the lights went down, the first mm-hmm. night, the lights come down, and, ah, you know, place is going crazy. And we walk out, <laughs> and the lights come on. Ah, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, and then, no. and then, <laughs> you suck. N- immediately. Somebody you haven't yells, played a note yet. No, not, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to talk. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you suck. People start laughing. <laughs> Fuck you. No, nope, like a chant oh, starts happening. I said, stop the song. <laughs> stop. Now they're having a blast. So that goes, we, we play the set, short set, 30 minute set. We stumble through. We come off stage. The guys in Boston are like, oh, dude. And our manager <laughs> says, okay, we gotta, we gotta change what we're doing. Yeah. We didn't think this through. <laughs> so he said, first thing we have to do is get a backdrop made. So people know that there's a band here. Right, right. Someone else is coming out Somebody else is Boston. coming out before Boston. Right. And we have to, so we worked out one of these. I had to learn how to tap. And we started this, this train sound. <laughs> and then I come out the spotlight, we're hitting that. And I had to play this guitar thing so that, so that we weren't starting the night with full in love. You know, right, 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 right. So, you so had to come out kicking it. I had to come out kicking it. Yeah. So I had to shred, figure out how to do a routine and do it at the cotton ball. Oh so my was, God. I know. <laughs> that was your first one. That was my first one. At that point was full in love the big hit? Full in love was the first hit and it what, was. But what, what, at that point was it, was it the big hit that it, that it ended up being? Where people know it. Yes, yes. Cause At we that point, was it out there? It was there? getting radio. Yeah. Was it we, getting radio? Yeah. We we had three singles off that record, and, and Fool in Love was the first one. Bad Habit was the second. Um, no, Lost in Loveland was the second one. So yeah. Lost in Loveland and Bad Habit was the third. So the Bad Habit was getting played, and the other ones had been yeah. being played. Um, that, but that doesn't matter. When you come out... You gotta be. Everyone's you, expecting you, Boston. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. brutal. They want that. that was pretty brutal. Yeah, that was brutal. So, so, uh, but it wasn't like that any other night. Oh, it was wow. fantastic. The rest of the we were getting played in most cities. Oh, good. Um, some more than others, but some some of the cities felt like our audience. You know, some of the cities yeah. were that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a blast, and it lasted. You know, it got extended the second half. Uh, so we did about 90, 90 shows with them. Wow, that's so great. That's yeah, it was fun. It was great. But basically their whole tour. We did the whole tour. The whole tour. And yeah. uh, uh, we had a problem with the, uh, you know, the blessing and curse of of getting a record deal right away. It's great to get a record deal right away. But we were a much better band after doing that tour. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Right. We we didn't know how to, we didn't have our sound until after the first tour. Of course, yeah. So we already made the record. We, yeah, but the record we came out really good. But yeah, we, yeah. Were, we, we would have been better. The second record would have been better. Um, 
But we lost our name. You lost Fahrenheit? We lost Fahrenheit. Yeah, you guys were sued by... We weren't sued, but um, we we went to do the record. Um, and uh, he was working with a bad company, mm-hmm. Keith, Keith Olson. Mm-hmm. And uh, the singer, um, I can't think of his name at the moment. Paul he, Rogers, you mean? It wasn't Paul Rogers. It was the, oh, okay. it was the a next guy, yeah. who was a fantastic singer. But uh, they were uh, they were unhappy with the vocal. He was unhappy with his vocal, and so they asked if they could have another couple of weeks to to redo the vocal. And that happened twice. So we were there for a month, and we got a, a soundstage at a rehearsal place out there. And this is while you're going to record the second record, correct? Yeah. So we ended up going out there and having a down month before we could start. Because they they were fussy fixing up their record, um, <clears throat> and I sang on that record too. It's called Fame and Fortune. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so, um, where was I? Fame and Fortune. So we were hanging out. We got a, a, a sound stage, and there were all these little rooms, and then there was a big stage. And we were the band with the big deal, so mm-hmm. we we got the big stage. Right. Yeah. We rented it. And so everybody wants to know who the band is that's on the big stage, big, right? Yeah. So little did anyone know that one of the little bands was called Fahrenheit. And <sighs> and they they went about um uh, you know, quietly getting their name trademarked while we were waiting for our record to come out. Now, if our record came out and was released nationally, we would be doing business under a name. Yeah. And you know, you you have that would have been legal. That would have been legal. You'd have won, right? We would have won, but we didn't do that. And when we were on tour, when we went out to L.A., we got served, <gasps> right? So Warner Brothers tried to offer them money. Yep. They said no. We offered them more money. They said no. Oh, they were stupid. And this went, this went, this went round about four or five times, and finally, they said, "Guys, uh, you're going to have to change your name." So. So that was awful because we were, we had done this big tour, right? As Fahrenheit. As Fahrenheit. So everybody knows you as Fahrenheit. Right. People even today say to me, oh, I didn't know that you were the guy in Fahrenheit. Yeah. They don't, you know, equate Charlie Farron to Fahrenheit. Yeah. I had the same thing. People, I did Mama Kicks. They think that's my name. They, people are like, oh, you're the girl in Mama Kicks. Lisa Guy was Mama Kicks. I'm like, how could you think that was my Same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? It is ju- weird. You just think that they would know that you're Charlie Farron yeah. from Fahrenheit. Yeah. It makes sense, right? They it don't. Was, uh, they don't. They don't. So Dave Holt changed his last name to Height. Uh, well, we told that, that story. That was, well, that, yeah. was, that was my question was, was that, part of, uh, was that part of something to try and keep the name? Was like, look, these are the two guys in the band, Farron and Height. No, that wasn't that. We, that was because, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, David was, and still is a big shot. You know, he's he's done a lot of things. We were talking earlier. He he's great. Was the bassist in the Buddy Miles band. Yeah, That's the great. craziest thing. Um, when he was dropped out of high school, I just found that when out. He dropped really out of like, high school. Yeah, That's great. And then and then I knew him for a couple of years. I went over his house, his mother's house, his family house in Connecticut. There's a gold record on the wall for a Ted Nugent record he did. Wow. Never talked about <laughs> You know, he toured with uh, Pete Roge and uh, he's done a lot of things. He's a, yeah. a fantastic bass player and a funny guy and a great writer, songwriter. Yeah. yeah. Really one of the best I know. Um, that tune he had a couple, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago. Pay some attention to me. Yeah. yeah great song. a really good that tune. That whole a really cool video, too. If you, yeah. if you see the video, it was My really... Friend, um, Bryn Arns produced that record and that video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so so we lost the we lost the use of the name and uh we started we were playing as Farron and Hike for a while and we were you know it just was trying awful. to make it work with <coughs> trying that, to make it work should, yeah. uh and this this was it. the time frame this was probably 1989 now yeah. and this was when the new sound came out we were talking earlier right. Soundgarden uh Nirvana. Faith No More Nirvana yep. uh Rage Against the Machine and I said one time to David look if I were the 20 year old guy I'd be listening to this music, right. not to us. And we knew it. You know, we knew that the, we lost the name. We were going to have to make another first record because, right? We were already pretty in debt because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they f- gave us a lot of money up front. We spent it. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> so you make, you make money on your second record after that's your right. tour. So we, that's, this was a tough time. So we just said, you know what, guys? It's probably over. And, my wife, you know, we decided to have kids, and uh, I went to work at Digital Equipment Corporation. So funny. I was a freak. How old? Yeah. How old were you then at that point when you went, okay, I think it's over? How old were um, you? I was probably 32 or 3, something like that. Wow. <laughs> and um, so <clears throat> I played, you know, we, we continued to play. You know, on weekends and stuff. Because you can't stop if you want to. No. It's a thing. You can't stop. No, you can't. I started to learn how to, um, you know, uh, David went to do his thing and we got Philip Bino to come Mm. and uh, Igor Horoshev, who later went on to play with Yes. Yeah. Five records with Yes. And, um, you know, you know, I, I, we did some vocals. Brad Delp and I did some vocals with on, on Ben Orr's record. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Igor because he was playing with Ben Orr at the time, uh, and Ben Orr made a fantastic solo record. I don't know if it ever came out, but because um, he's he's passed away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so uh, so I played I played and I went to work at Digital Equipment Corps and that was crazy. Like because, I can't see you so walking in that place. Yeah, you, still <laughs> the same hair. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you walk in, but it's like who's who's the new guy? I know, and I had a little job, so I I went to work. Um, it was a group that was, was, uh, making catalogs, product, software product catalogs. Mm-hmm. And they would edit the, the, uh, product descriptions and then they would put the file on top of the file cabinet. They wouldn't file it. So it was getting to be a mess. So I came in as a temp to file and it was a group of all women and, and I was the, the new guy that they got to <laughs> file. So, so, <laughs> so that was funny. And, and, um, I got along great with them. The sitcom, and, isn't I it? I can hear this. Who's <laughs> the new guy? All the chicks. <laughs> Rockstar Tim. Rockstar Tim. <laughs> That's what happened. That's so great. I swear to God. Um, did any of them know who you were? Y- yeah, many of them. Like did. fans, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, a lot of them were, were not, you know, older. So they wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't know, but, um, Soon you know, did, you I'm could, sure. Huh? Soon did, I'm sure. Yeah, and you go to the cafeteria and, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, it was a blast. It was fun. And I was. So I, I want to interrupt you for a second and ask you as an artist, like how, where were you emotionally in that space? Cause that's weird. Cause we've lived a whole different life, right? We've, we've given our lives to everything on the road, just yep. doing it. You give everything you can and these things keep happening and you pass up other things in life. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's your thing. Now, all of a sudden in your early thirties, you go, ah, I guess this is it. You I'm getting a job from, as a temp. You're going from sold out stadiums opening right. up for Boston. I'm getting a job as a temp. Where a were you? Legitimate rock star <laughs> to suddenly filing. filing. So tell Finally me where you were emotionally. So how does, yeah, how do you feel about well, that? Well, um, 
at the time. So I, I, I thought, um, I didn't know what was coming, right? I didn't know what right. to think. But I saw it as an opportunity to, to get my, to go back to what I'm doing now, get my solo thing together. And I could play guitar and sing, but performing as a solo artist is a much different thing than mm-hmm. performing with a band. Yeah. And so I, I saw it as an opportunity to finally pursue that. And, um, and also I was excited because we we're going to have a baby. So you that know? was your focus, right? So it wasn't that you had to go get this day job, this mundane day job. It was like you had a focus of like, I'm going to put my solo thing together and I'm having a family. Yeah, and I'm going to get a job at a place that's going to allow me to grow, right? I I, uh-huh. I wasn't going to be a filing guy. Right. You know, so you were really right. positive in this space. I, I was. I was. Uh, I thought I, – I really felt like I had turned the corner and I thought, okay, now I have to make this work. You know, right. somehow I have to figure out how to, and I will play solo, right? Yeah. Um, and at first it was rough because you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, um, there was a place on Neko Street called, uh, Neko Street. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was attached <laughs> to the channel. Yeah. Was, uh, and, and I play, I would play there, uh, book, I played the Club Passim, mm-hmm. um, kind of talk your way into these things. Mm-hmm. And, Did but. Did you my, ever hit a point at any, at any time? Did you ever hit a point where you, Felt discouraged enough to not want to do it anymore. No, ever, I never did. Never hit that. Yeah. No, I. My sister and Charlie Colello, a friend of mine, uh, would be backup singers. I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, I was telling you the story before that one of the guys that that was a big shot. Uh, would open for us at the channel. His name right, was Ken yeah. Steiner, one of, the, one of the big shots at Digital. Really? Yeah, yeah he was in the storage group, and the storage group was bought by uh, EMC. Huh. So he went to EMC. Um, I stayed in touch with him, but he he would open for us at the channel, and I didn't realize that, you know, he was a as high up as he was. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm still friendly with him today. Um, and he called me a few few, you know, when I retired from. I shouldn't jump for ahead to retirement already. Yeah. But he called me and he said. He said, "Oh, you're so lucky. I wish I, I'm gonna. I wish I could do what you're gonna do." And then a few years ago, he did. He retired. Oh, wow. and he started a rock band. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He's. I actually played banjo with his band. They're a southern rock band. The Southern Rock Experience. They're called. Um, and I, they played at the uh, Showcase Live. And I. Oh yeah, yeah. I opened for them and sat in with them on Freebird on my banjo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but. Uh, so I I did that for a while, and then I got a job working as an editor in that group. Oh wow! Um, and then I moved to to loaning equipment to partners, and I got exposed to the partner managers, and I thought that's the job I want. Yeah. Because they they had expense accounts, and they had you know went went away to trade shows, and mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. so I worked hard to get that job, and I got that job. Yeah. Um, and then and but but since I was the new guy, uh, they gave me I, I was in the systems management department you know and since i was the new guy they gave me the windows partners because windows was a toy you know unix is the corporate big iron you know mm-hmm. right so i had all they thought, the, they thought you were they were throwing you in the toilet but they were really they thought they thought they were giving me the, they, the, they were giving you the piddly stuff the unimportant were, <laughs> stuff but suddenly guess what compact bought us and compact all they cared about was when the windows, windows stuff yeah. yeah because they were porting they put in um, corporate email on exchange and you could run that dependably on small NT servers and link them together. If you had the software to, to you know, link them all together, they'd right. fail over if something went wrong. 
And so suddenly those are the partners that I had. And, <laughs> suddenly and, your job blew up. <laughs> and so I went to Houston. I spent half my time in Houston and made friends down there. And Musical uh, friends? Uh, no, c- no, company musical? friends. I was mm-hmm. focused on getting to a plateau yep. that really was meaningful, you know. So, yep. so that job... Uh, were I you had playing some, at all at this point? I was playing just, occasionally as okay. a solo. Okay. And um, so I had a couple of successes, you know, with some partners. Yeah. Uh, and I would go out of my way to to just meet everybody and keep in touch with everybody. Um, <clears throat> so that worked out great. The same thing started happening to other applications. You know, people kept thinking, what else can we do with, the, you know, a Windows server might be $4,000 and a Unix server might be $150,000, right? So what what else can we do with it? So people started moving other applications to that type of thing. And we wanted to um, – <clears throat> when HP came in, uh, they had um, a Windows group that did what my partner did. So suddenly <laughs> they didn't want me around anymore, uh. and they didn't want that partner around anymore. And my boss uh, – volunteered me for a new group um, that was going to incubate um, to see whether or not we could develop a business around Linux, which is a Unix-like operating system. Yeah. So so uh, I took that job, and it, it was a global alliance global alliance job, which is a big job. And um, I had to put together a reseller contract, and uh, the idea was that we would develop H- offer HP services for the – it was Red Hat Linux – and that was a really big job. It was a global job, and, and it worked out great. And uh, I, you know, ended up getting elevated a couple of times, and it turned into a, a real grown man's job. You know? Yeah, yeah. A real grown man's <laughs> job. But you still looked like this. <laughs> well, no, I put on a little weight, too. I, I kind of the hair. I kind of morphed into a corporate kind of look. Did you a little yes. bit? Did you let into it? Were you in a suit? Um, I would wear a suit, yeah. Yeah? I would wear a suit. Um, <laughs> a lot of traveling internationally mm-hmm. and um you know we we had to put it together from scratch and um work working close with other team team people but you know we had to have uh worldwide participation in regular phone calls so there'd be all crazy hours yeah because we had a we had a japanese team we had a singapore team australia yeah china you know south america all through the U.S., all through it. So tell me now, where are you sitting as an artist? You're playing out still a little bit while you're doing all this traveling, or it's done still, for a while? No, still, nope, still playing still out, writing. still making records. Yep, at uh, home, yourself, in my studio. Yep, yep. and uh, so that artistic thing was flowing yep. always. Because hearing you talk about it, being someone that you know, getting faced at some point in your life, being an artist who goes out and plays, of that, like, what am I going to get a real job now? Like, what about what am I doing? Can I do this? I'm. Just, I'm going to go sit and have a real job, right? You seem to have this huge passion for this job that you took also. Like, that's really cool. I really yeah. admire that, that you went into it fully like, I'm going to achieve all of this, yeah. but you kept your artistry the whole time. I was really focused on, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to have, I'm going to put a lot of money away. That was your focus, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my family. Yep. I'm going to pay off the house. You know, we're going to. Yeah. I'm going to have the kind of that kind of job. I'm going to have. I'm going to be really successful in this place. Yeah. And I was able to. At least I feel as though I was. You know. Yeah. Um, How many years was that, Charlie? Oh, I was there for 23 years. Wow. Yeah. And now it's over. How so did great. that happen? <laughs> but, 23 years yeah. is gone now. A lot of times, though, I would just 
I would just um, I just say, "What? I'm pulling this off? What? Yeah. Crazy!" Because <laughs> right. I didn't know anything about computers or operating right. systems or anything. I didn't know how how to put together a presentation, how to how to you know uh, just all, all of this was from new. Filing. I, yeah, so filed. crazy. Right. And, and I was I was doing you know doing quarterly updates to to you know the senior people on my business. And I had to put that together and present to, to really, you know, big shot people. So it's great uh, that you were able to do that and have a good outlook on it and didn't, you know, I know that a lot of the, you know, I know a lot of people that, I know a lot of musicians that at some point realize that's not going to be the thing that they right. can do and have to take on a job. And most of the time they're, the way they feel about that job is what you would think about it. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're crushed not, by it. Well, that's not, what I was asking him earlier. You, know, you just a, didn't get crushed by it, right? It's, no, you're not crushed no. by it. You're, you're I rocked you're it. Happy about yeah. 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 you rocked it. I rocked it, and <laughs> and it, and it worked. It worked out great. At one point, um, so it, the hard part was getting it going, right? Yeah, we got it going, uh, and it was incubation team. Uh, the reason we were a separate team and not, as not part of the divisions was because we're just trying to see if we can figure it out. And once once we knew we figured it out, we, we got to, you know, close to a hundred million dollars in, you know, revenue, yeah, um, annually. And that sounds like a lot of money, but at, at HP it's not. I mean, yeah. HP is a right. eleven, twelve billion dollar, yeah, hundred and twelve yeah. billion dollar business. Yeah. But um, it was once we got it to that point, everybody said, okay, great. We should have, should we have our own Linux? Or should we acquire one of these other companies? So I got it pulled into a white room team to study that, which was fantastic. Hmm. It was interesting. Um, and after about a year, um, we decided that we weren't going to do that. Huh. And, um, uh, I got, you know, my, my boss tapped me on the shoulder and he says, you know, uh, and I was making, I was making great money now. Right. And this business was rolling along and I wasn't part of it now. So they, he, they, he said, look, you know, the, 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 you know, early retirement package is going to be over. better. <laughs> it's going to be better than the layoff package and that's coming and you're going to be affected. And so I was like, what? Oh no, you know, um, and for a couple of days, it's a body blow. And then yeah. I thought, wait a second, you know, I've done well. I can just do music now, you know. There you go. And uh, I, I, uh, and this I had been. Was, this was uh, how how long ago? Five years ago. Five years ago. And that's when the kind of the resurgence of your oh yeah career. All of a sudden, started. we start seeing Charlie. Well, I was hoping it would start, but I didn't know, you yeah. know. Um, and so I started. I said, but if I'm going to do this, I, I'm going to do it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started, you know, watching what I was eating. Cause yeah. Well, you got to get back into that mindset. Now. I had to get back into that mindset, and I had I had been eating airport food and, you know, going yeah, out to yeah. breakfast and going out to lunch and going out to dinner with people, and uh, I, I put on, you know, sixty seventy pounds. Yeah. And um, so I said, I got to if I'm going to do this, I got to really do it. I started walking, mm -hmm. and I started really watching what I ate, and lost the weight, and. Um, John, my buddy, John Butch, I had been in touch with John and he, he would do, I would send him tracks. 
and he'd play guitar on, on, on some songs on my records mm-hmm. through through the years. And I had known him. I've known him for f- over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we'd keep in touch on the phone. So he, he called one day, and I said, ah, oh, man, you know, I'm going to try to get back into this. And he was going through a divorce at the time. And I said, you know something? We've been friends a long time. We should do, try to do something together. Let's let's think about that. So we talked about it on the phone, and he came out here, and we hung out and played. And I was making a record anyway. I was halfway through a record. Yeah. I said, let's put this together. We'll come up with a name, and we'll do it as a duo, you know? Awesome idea. So we called it Farron Butcher, Inc., FBI, and uh, we made a record. You yeah, know. I remember seeing that so advertised great. a lot out there. Yeah. I like the I like the FBI. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. And um and we played around for a couple of years um as a as a duo. Um and so it was fun, you know, but I really wanted to get back to what I was doing before with Ahmed. Yeah. And um uh, so it's almost like what you were doing with Ahmed was setting you up for this point. Like when you were doing that with Ahmed for the amount of time that you said you were, all of a sudden you were like, I, I want to back up and play. Right? So you let that go then and it was sort of setting you up for the now. And I had been making records all along. So yep. I, over that, so I'm working on my 17th record now. Oh, Fahrenheit. That's so great. Yeah, that's Joe crazy. Perry was the first record. Fahrenheit was the second record. So 15 records. That right. I did throughout right. those years. Yeah. Every couple of years I have a new record. So I was active that way. I was serious about, you know, my, my art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. Um, and then I wanted to get back to this, you know, yeah. and I did a record, uh, called Tuesday, which was based on a, a song that Brad Delp wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and that record was really great, but there was a song on that record called Hold Me Down and Love Me. And I've always been a big Steely Dan fan. And I did that song in a style like Steely Dan, yeah. right? And I loved it, and I loved the record. But I started playing it out, and I developed a new way to play it. Oh, cool. Right? And it was just just on the guitar. And when I play it live, I like it better than what I did on the record. And right. I thought, <laughs> I should have played this out before I recorded it. <laughs> so for this record, that's that's... That I'm doing now, I'm working on it. It's Is that what um, you're doing for this record. You're- I'm doing pre-production yeah. by going to open mic nights and playing the song and getting command of the song before I record it. Yeah. yeah. So that I don't do cool things to it afterwards. Yep. Right. Yeah, that yeah. I didn't capture <laughs> in the record. Um, so I'm I'm going to do this. So every song on the record. So first of all, I'm tuning my A down to three eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Because, because, um. There's a there's a thing in in art and architecture called the golden mean, the mm-hmm. golden ratio, mm-hmm. and I took that number and, and multiplied it, funny by twenty four, which is two octaves, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is two chromatic octaves, yeah. and it comes to three eighty eight. Now I had been tuning down a half step anyway. Yep. And uh, I thought there's a reason why I'm tuning my guitar the way I'm tuning it now. There's no reason why I'm tuning it to four forty. Right. There's no reason why I drop just, it a half step, but there's but there's a reason. Standard. <laughs> so as a solo, it's much deeper and bigger sounding, you mm-hmm. know. Plus, um, I don't strain my voice, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, so I'm also only going to play one guitar and one vocal on the record. Awesome. No harmonies. Nice. Awesome. No click track. Right. And just and, you and a guitar. Yeah, it's going to be called guitar and voice, colon. And then one of my song titles, 
which I'm, which which is going to be called True Story. And um and True Story is a song about, you know, me you know, working on my story. Yeah, full circle. Ah, that's great. Full circle. It it's it's and I'm really excited about it cuz it it really does sound good. How far along into the into it are you right now? Well, you're still you're still sussing out what how you want the songs to sound like are you still you're still going to open mics now and and still trying to to get the tunes I still go to you know my my theory my strategy in my career now is that if something comes to me um no matter what it is and no matter what it pays if my calendar is free I'll do it mm-hmm. and um great opportunities have fallen out of that yeah. you know yeah. I I can I have it now and I can do it I should be doing it I was telling you earlier about a festival I got hired to do. Um, it's it's three days. It's in Providence. It's three days, and they have like eight or nine bands each day. Yeah. And there are three stages. Big names. Joe Bonamassa. Like they have a, a metal day. They have a classic rock day. Oh, that's great. Bob Seger. Uh, and then they have a country rock day. And I can't think of all the bands, but Joe Bonamassa slash uh, Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Great stuff. Uh I can't think. And so are you the Joe Bonamassa day? No. So he hired me for three days. All three. So they're going to have three stages, right? Yeah. And when one band finishes, the other band starts. Mm-hmm. But if there's a gap and they need 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I'm going to play solo. That's so great. And, I, and, and I'm going to be doing that for three days. That's and so if they great. don't need me, they don't need me. But if they need me, I'm going to do solo. There's the other beauty about being just a solo artist that it's just, you're so adaptive. It's just you. And I, it's I like can, plug in. I'm here. You're back. You go to the next it's day. It's so great. And I've been it's doing, sh- I've been do, doing gigs with Rick Emmett. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's going to come up here and do gigs and I'm going to open for him here. But I went down to Texas, St. Louis, um, cut, maybe three nights in Texas. And then we went played in St. Louis. And you can do it because you just get on a plane. Yeah. 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 And, um, you can, you can travel cheap and you don't have to make that much money. Um, and so it exposes you, you it know? It does. I love that you're, that you're at this place that when, when you realize as an artist and you're established enough to do it, that when you go, I'm just going to take the things that feel right, that come to me, it doesn't matter, the money doesn't matter. When you take that whole money thing off it, you just watch it all sort of fall into place. Well, I did a gig and, it was, you know, it wasn't, it, was, it went over great. Yep. But I, I can't think of the, where the place was. But it was a, a slow night yep. that went over great. Yep. And somebody in the audience was this promoter. And and when I do my shows, I do 110%, no matter how many people yeah. are there. That's right. And the everybody has a blast, right? right? The everybody has a blast. It. And it's There's fun. two people or 20,000 people, it's the same show. And so this dude was like, I can't believe that I'm singing a freaking rock concert on a weeknight with, with 20 people, you know, 30 yeah. people. So he called me and said, I want to hire you to do this festival. That's great. You know? Nice. And, um, that's great. That is great. Well, so, it's something too that, that came from our generations of going out there and working six nights a week and doing that thing, playing six sets, right? We, it gave us this thing, this weird work ethic where you paced yourself as a singer and you, it gave us this thing. Yes, it That did. when I'm out and I, and it's like 15 people in the room and I'm like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> and you just kind of get in it and you go like this, you go, okay, just get two of them. Just get two of these people yeah. in this room. That's it. To to react to you, yep. And you've done your job, yep. and to do that, you have to give it, yep. right? You yeah. have to give it, and 
the time creeps by like a turtle if you don't anyway. Right. So give it. I mean, if you're giving 100% and you're there the whole night and they're just sucking you dry, there is a point where you just got to back up a little bit. But it's, I always notice that about you, no matter where I've seen you, especially solo, that it's like, because I, I, I see myself in it and I go, I don't know if that's our generation, how we came up, how we always played gigs and it was always, there was so much competition back then too that you just always had to have your A game yep, or not- you were passed right over. Yep, right? absolutely. Always especially, had to have your A-game. Especially as a solo. Yeah. Um, because there's no guitar solos. There's no, nope. there's nothing no, else. You gotta, it's you talent gotta, and personality. Yeah, and you gotta, you gotta just say, just say, they're not gonna believe it. <laughs> they're not gonna, they're gonna walk away saying, what the? What so, I so I, I do everything that comes to me. So I was asked to do, <laughs> to perform in Nordstrom's, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. At, at the Cologne counter. Um, That's for the launch of Johnny Depp's latest fabric. That's a hard uh, one. Latest right. fragrance. Fragrance. Right. Um, That's a hard one. Well, <laughs> so I said, listen, I said, I- I'll do it because I'm free. Yep. And it could be cool. You don't know. But the only way I'm going to do it is if I bring my backdrop. Mm-hmm. I have a 12 by 20 foot backdrop. Smart. Yeah. Uh, and bring my backdrop and, and do it full out. Yep. Right? Full out Charlie Farron show. No. Yep. No. Don't tell me to turn down. No, no, no. Yeah. They say no. We want you to do it. So, I went there. It's a you know, it's a in a mall, <laughs> right? It's a it's a fragrance area gotcha. in a mall. <laughs> and uh, so I set up. And I start doing my thing, and talking to people. You know, guys over in the shoe That's department. How you get the attention. <laughs> and um, the the Nordstroms people were delighted, and the Dior people were delighted, and. Um, all the women working in the were delighted, counted. and and I just didn't, and people were walking by like you know looking like what's happening? what's happening you know little kids <laughs> running around older people like is this the perfume counter and I'm back hold me down and love me you know <laughs> and um and it was fantastic now no it was not a rock show atmosphere mm-hmm. but but the great thing was the picture I got pictures from it. And posted pictures. Oh, and the reaction to the pictures are like, wow. Oh, that's so cool. Because that's there's a great. big poster of Johnny Depp. Right. There's a big pile of fragrances. There's a Charlie Farron poster yep. and Nordstrom's thing in the back. And it looked, it looks like in the photographs, it looks like, wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so the reaction to the photos was, wow. And the reaction to my having done it was, Wow, you know, <laughs> and it could have been. Oh, this is weird. Oh yep. no, what did we do? And I just said, No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this be awesome. And I'm, you know, yeah. rocking out on my guitar <laughs> and throwing my arms in the air, and it's in the middle of the day. Well, you said it's North- in the middle of the day. <laughs> it's not easy to do. That's easy to say, but not easy to and do. All the lights in the store are on. Bright. You know, right? Yeah, it's like you're being questioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Not put on a rock show. Yeah, but it, it it's a testament to your. Prof- your professionalism too that you just really you go in is. and here here's the thing that I, I try to tell some of the younger mm. kids some of maybe my students that you went in there and because you have a reputation and you've earned this you went in there with the and said the right things like well, you can't you can't ask me to turn down and you can't I'm gonna come in I'm gonna do Charlie Farron right so you have to trust me that I'm not gonna do anything wrong to hurt this situation but you gotta let me be me if at any moment they came halfway in and was like can you just take it down? We need a little bit. The people are complaining. It would just crunch your groove. 
And so it's smart. You just go in smart. You set it up and you just middle of the day just, just go out and well, everybody responds it. beautifully to it. And, and I tell that to people like, you know, well, turn it down and go, listen, let me come in and do what I do. We have to do this to make people have the attention. Yeah. You yeah. want all the TVs on and the, all this stuff going on. You want me quiet in the corner. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. You, you got to let us well, do what we did. do. So it's you, so great. You that made you it do that. your thing. That's that, right. That was the really cool thing is you That's took it, thing. you took it as being, uh, being a, Part of something that was uh, this, wh- whatever this thing was, right. and you made it your thing. Of course, you're yeah. Like, it was okay, cool. you're like okay, yeah, that's great, fragrances and all that. But this is a fucking Charlie Farron show now. <laughs> now, yeah, now, now it's a Charlie Farron show. It was so, so much fun. So to- that's the, that's the cool part about it is you took it, you made it it's your confidence. thing, and then you made people take notice because it was your thing, and it right. wasn't. You weren't just like quietly trying to, you know, make noises, you know. As a being meek, by. as you know, you weren't just trying to be there and be like a you know, uh, elevator music or whatever. You yeah. know? No, oh my god, Charlie Farron is no. elevator music. <laughs> well, I did one time I did that. Um, uh, Judge Regan has an annual Christmas party, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that James often does, and and it's kind of weird. And one, one year, James, James Montgomery, Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. yeah, uh, and so one year he says, I can't do it, will you do it? Fill in for me. So I said, all right. So I, I do, I say yes to everything that comes to me. And so, um, I brought my, my little bows and they, what you do is you go up the, he, it's in his home mm-hmm. and there's a landing that overlooks the living room mm-hmm. and you set up on the landing. And of course it's a, it's a, and now he's, he runs one of the biggest PR firms in the area, right? I think he represents the Celtics, the, you know, something like legal seafood and, no, oh, wow. Big time stuff. Big time stuff. You know, Boston Ballet or something. Um, so people are there to mix and mingle, right? Mm-hmm. My wife came with me. And um, so I started playing and realized that they don't want to hear me singing. They just want music to be happening. Right, right. So, so instead of doing what I usually do, <laughs> I just did what I usually do, but I didn't sing. Wow. I just played my all my songs instrumentally. Wow, good hmm. for you. Just caught through the chords. And it was the perfect thing. You know, wow. it was the perfect thing. And and the the music was great and people were watching me play and it was fun. And uh and I said my Maria was there. So at the end of the night you're telling me this whole thing, I'm trying to picture how James Montgomery's gonna do this with his sleeveless shirt dancing <laughs> around in this landing. You'd you'd be surprised though. James James knows how to adapt. He's he's yeah, a real yeah. pro. He's he's a real pro. Um, I mean, but, he's just such a showman. He's just such a, you know, his whole his thing, thing is like, yeah. his whole thing is like making it much larger than I, it. I don't. And I, so it's the, trying to picture him, you know, be, uh, taking it down, take it, take it down 20 notches, not just a couple <laughs> notches, but that's, you know, 20 notches down. So, but I've seen him do things with Bruce Marshall, just a duo mm-hmm. and they, yeah. and they make it work. You know, they make it oh, work. Cool. Yeah. They, they're, they're, uh, he has a cool thing. James is a flexible dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was fun. But the funny thing was at the end, they said, they said, this was the perfect thing for this party. You two sound great together. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Oh, your wife was amazing. She was, she was, she was amazing. so, the she best she ever was. You guys together were just fantastic. It's oh, great. Yeah, I know. It's like when you show up at a friend's gig and then they, they uh. start, they come off the stage for a break and then people in the audience are going, you sounded great. I'm like, oh, thank you. Wasn't even there. <laughs> Thanks. I was, Appreciate that. 
So, so what are you what are you releasing this new record? What's your what's well, your ETA? So so and you had asked where I where was I? So the songs are all written. I, I know I have all the songs. That, that, that's done. And now, the typical recording process is you go in, you do drums. You, mm-hmm. you, blah, blah. So I don't have any of that. Right. So that's kind of weird, yeah. right? So what I'm doing is I'm just uh, recording. It's just it's just about capturing the performance. Mm-hmm. And then I listen, and they go, Ugh. and I do it again because I'm not I'm not doing overdubs. Yeah, it's going to be all one thing. No. Uh, yeah. No, you thought no, about doing no, any of it live? It is well, live. It's all live. It's no, all no, live. I mean out. I mean recording something ha- out. Oh, uh, yeah. No, uh, no, I'm going to try to get one sound. Um, I am going to do one banjo song though. So I had a song I released because I bought a banjo and got inspired to write this song, right? Mm-hmm. And we were watching the TV thing at, at the time and the story influenced the song. Um, but I'm going to re-record it with just the banjo and voice. Cool. So, yeah. so that it doesn't have the drums and the, all of that. So, uh, I think it'll be good, and um, I, I'm doing. You know, it's going to sound big. I'm going to try to make it sound like a rock show, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a nylon string guitar. Wow! And um, I'm psyched. I never did a record thing. like this. That's, That's so great. great. It's, it's a, about time you do a record like this because it's it's always my all time favorite thing to just go watch you do your thing, just you and a guitar. It's just it's my all time favorite thing to see. And well, not that just, I never just, loved Fahrenheit, but I don't know. It's the thing. I have people say it to me. They're like, oh my God, I've never seen you play solo before because it's just a different element of you, it's right? A, it's a different thing. And, and, and they're like, I didn't even know you had this side to you. And I go, really? Like, cause I, you know that you have that side and I know that I have that yeah. side, but it, they're just two separate entities. And for me, it's always such a joy to just see you in a guitar. Well, thank well, and, you. And since that's what you're doing mostly these days. Yes. You'll have a record now yeah. to support that. You'll right. Go, oh, did you like the show? Well, great. Here's this record, which is exactly that. What you just saw. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I have I have a live record. Mm-hmm. I did a passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. I know I would definitely make a live record. You know, you could, yeah. but this record I wanted to I wanted to sound almost not like a guitar. I wanted to sound yeah. like a whole band. Yeah, I yeah, call yeah. it the full band sound yeah. style. Yeah. Are you using any like uh, like delay modelers or like yeah. like looping effects or any any no looping like that? Not or? looping. The, you know, there'll be some room, some some you know reverb and. But all you uh, just a little bit, you know. Just, yeah, all you. But I want to make it sound big, and it's I'm hitting the body and you know whacking it and you know yeah. plucking the, you know slapping the strings and just. Oh, uh, this is going to be great. What? I can't. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this. How long? Do, when do you think you'll? Look how excited we, we are. Out. Yeah. We're like, well, when can we get it? <laughs> well, so the recording process could, you know, I'm going to record one song at a time. I'm not going to record the whole record at once. Right. right. Yeah. But um, when I when I capture it, then I'm going to capture it. Yeah. Then it's captured. And now you have to do all 10 songs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, it's not going to be, there's not going to be a mixing thing because it's just a guitar and a voice. Yep. There's not a whole... Usually you record and then you have to go and mix and that's a whole yeah. project too. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be, it, it's going to be done, it could be done next week, right? Right. Yeah, so all right. Every day I go down and I, I sing and play and then I listen and I kind of go, uh, all right, let me try that again. And mm-hmm. so it's not right yet from a playing perspective. It sounds fantastic and then I'll make a mistake and I'll say, okay, I'm going to go, fi-. you know, I'm not going to yeah, fix yeah. it. I'm going to redo the song. You play right through, right? You're not yeah. going to fix anything, right? And, um, so it's it's encouraging. Yeah. It sounds really good and um 
you know, at first I set a couple of mics up and, you know, and I was always like self-conscious about holding the guitar. And I just said, no, forget about that. You know, yep. I just plug the guitar in and make it about playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It That's sounds right. really good. It's what you do good. best. Yeah. And so it is what you it, do best. I want it to sound, it doesn't, it's not supposed to sound like a guitar. You know, yeah, I yeah. want it to sound like something other than that. Oh, cool. So, so, uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's cool. And do you have any, do you have any shows coming up that you'd like to tell people about? Um, I, you, you'd think I'd come prepared with that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I have a show coming up on the 15th, uh, in, in, uh, Laconia. Where? Okay. With some friends. Uh, a great room called Pittman's Freight Room. Oh, I yeah. love Pittman's. Yeah, they've asked me a couple you know times. It? Never played there, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've done a number of things there. It's, it's a wooden room. They have, such a good sound. Every chair is yeah. different. They have couches and chairs cool. and stuffed chairs and um and, and everything's for sale in that room. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's a there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's like, you know, tables and chairs and then there's like a, you know, a lot of antique things and yep. everything in that room is for sale. It's like oh, a barn. So right. it's like a so it's like a that's like a um a yard sale. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, but you're at a show with a yard sale. But it's a really cool place, and the owners, uh, Dick and Connie Mitchell, are really nice, yeah. really nice people. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and when just, is that date, did you say? That's the 15th of January. Of January. And then the 29th, um, I'm going to do, we were talking earlier about uh, Johnny D's, which is closing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, a promoter, has uh, put together four uh, concerts with, with people from you know, the Boston music scene. Yep. The stop is just played. Yeah. Um, John's that was Friday. Was that Friday night? Or? That was Friday. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and they opened in 1969 and they're closing. So the tickets in 1969. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Uh, that's cool. and John Butch is playing, uh, Hirsch Gardner and John Fannin up on that bill. Yep. Um, Robin Lane is playing, and Laurie, Laurie Sargent is on that bill. Wow. I love that's Robin everybody Lane. on that 29th. <laughs> No, um, my, my night is twin. Your night so is This is like, so the stop is played this week. Right. Right, right. Next week, I think John is playing. The following weeks, week, yeah. Robin is playing. Oh, oh, okay. Robin Willari. Yeah. I'd love to see them together. Uh, and then, um, I'm playing with, uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Wow. Yeah, I did a show with them about four or five months ago. Is too. that the last show? And I believe that's the last, uh, I don't know if that's the last show. That's the last show of his series. Yep. But they're winding down. Did you say you were playing there? On the, yeah, on the twenty first, I'm I'm putting together a show that's uh, it's basically the we're calling it good, the uh, Boston Blues Scene says goodbye to Johnny D's and it's a, just a ton of so I mean I have like thirty three musicians or something like that on the show. It's Tony in Washington. Thirty three. I was going to say I'll like come down to play. Yeah, it's, Do you have like a house band and people. Yeah, my out? band's yeah. the house band, yeah. but there's a lot of you know there are there going to be other drummers, other bass Correct. players, other guitar yeah. players, other. There's going to be other people that we can switch oh, out of there, but there's night. a ton of front people, and I got a bunch of there's a whole bunch of horns. I got you know like the best horn guys on the planet are uh, Doug James is going to be there, Gordon Beadle, Carl Corforth. I mean that's like the craziest horn section yeah. that you can imagine right there. Um, John Arruda's supposed to be there. Scott Arruda's Ooh, supposed wow. to be there. Um, but the front people like Tony Lynn Washington, yeah. Rick King Russell, Racky Thomas, uh, Shorty Billups. Um, Paul Rochelle and Annie Rains, Cheryl Arena. Um, great. That's great. Great. Professor Harp. It's a, just a, when I is mean, that? then there's 20 more people. It's a Thursday. It's like two weeks away. It's a Thursday night at Johnny D's. Rick Russell so. was in a band when, when, in that era when we were traveling and doing five nights a week. Uh, he was Ricky Raves then. 
Oh. <laughs> Ricky Raves. Ricky Raves. Yeah, he That's had a fabulous. band. I can't wait to send that text to him. He, he had a band. What's it was good. R- quote Ricky Raves. <laughs> he was, and what he, was it? What kind of music was it? Uh, rock music, hot yeah. rock music. Oh, yeah. That's what Ricky was happening. Raves. Yeah. That's do you, do you happen- remember that band? What was it called? Uh, um, Annie. Annie. I think I won't get it now. Something know, Annie. Yeah. They were good. They were good. Annie good. and the Orphans? Or Orphan called? Annie. That's what it was called. Oh. Uh-huh. There you go. They were one of the good bands, for sure. You know. That's so great. I know. Ricky Ramps. Well, He's a good player. That's a good lineup. I can't wait to set that text one. So we've reached an hour. I know that you've got some stuff that you got to, to, to head out for, but... Uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast, but awesome. uh, what a blast! Thank it was so really. I'm so glad that you could do it. I'd love to have you come do it again sometime. Yeah, know, definitely. Six months, nine months down the road, sometime. Definitely. Come back and do it again. It was really fun. Um, I love our- it because I've known this guy for so long, and you know, when we see each other, it's like either at a gig and you're chitty chatting about that stuff, or the Christmas, the Goodrow Christmas party, yeah. and you're just fooling around, having a good time. But which is where we never, met, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. No, that I not, remember. But, yeah, but that's. I the, brought him. This is the. I brought him when you. Brought, you I told this story. Yeah, Lisa brought me, and I have never been to that party again, and it bums me out because I, I had so much fun at that party. We'll go next year because I had. I had just met Brad, yeah, and we. I told this story before on the podcast, but I want to tell it again because Charlie's here. Because I met Charlie because Brad introduced us, and Brad yeah. took me. Yeah, we. I had done a show with Brad. He saw my band and loved my band. What was it called though? Mr. Nick's Blues Mafia. Blues Mafia. Right? Blues Mafia. Loved the name of the band. Yeah. That was the conversation that we had. Yeah, it was a like, great name. You're like, great that's great a name. great name, and I was like. Holy shit, Charlie Farron thinks I have a, my band is a great It is a good band. <laughs> He's like, holy shit, this is so cool. Uh, but he, uh, Brad took me around the room and was introducing me to everybody, <laughs> literally by the hand. And he was like, all right, come here. And he would introduce me to people. He goes, this guy has a great band. You have to check him out. Nick, what Which was, was the that? Coolest... What, what was that? What was that? Was that something we did at the Brimmer that he was there and your it band was. got up it, and played? It was and I the, did it the, last was the night? Briggs benefit. The Briggs it was benefit. The, it was a benefit. Remember that? You Michael, came and played. Michael was Briggs. At the Black Brimmer in Manchester. And I put uh, a huge benefit on, Mama Kicks put a huge be- benefit on for a fallen police officer, a local fallen police yeah, officer. Was, uh, I remember that. Yeah, you came up and played and, uh, and Brad Barry Goudreau and, yeah. and Brad did We did it, our did little thing. all-star thing yeah, that we did. Yeah, all-star thing. We had uh, John Popper John there. John Popper was there, yeah. Uh, Josh so that's Logan where was he there. saw you. And that's where he saw us. And right. I, had, I had a different band at the time, actually, which was the band that played there called the Queen City Kings. That's another cool name. And we yeah. were, <laughs> that's another cool name, isn't it? Yeah. So that was the, actually the band that he saw, but that was like a super part-time thing. We did a- Queen it, City Kings is a great name. Yeah, yeah, well, right. Manchester's a Queen City. Yeah, I know. Queen City Kings. Isn't that a great name, that's though? That's a great name. great name. I had the website for a long time, and I think I just let it go, and somebody tried to buy it from me a while back, and I never sold it to him, and then I just, it just kind of lapsed, but. Yeah. Cause I haven't done anything with that band in years. Anyways, so, but that was the coolest experience to me. You know, it just speaks to the character of who Brad was, this guy that he'd never met before, but loved, yeah. but really enjoyed my band. And it was, cause I was, I mean, I had, I went through 20 copies of the first Boston record. You know, yeah, that record, record, that record is one of my top 10 favorite records of all time. Yeah. I listened to that record a million times. And so to have him, Parade me around the room and introduce me to people. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Yeah, I and you were part of it, so that's why I wanted to. <laughs> that's why I wanted to. T- I wanted to bring it up again because it was such a fun thing. It was such a neat thing for me. I, I don't even. How did it even happen? Was I like just talking to you on the phone that day? So you want to come to the party with me? You, Steph canceled. 
Right. Steph bagged out and he wasn't going to go. Because we were was, all going to ride together. You were all going to ride night. together. And right. you said, hey, do you want to go to the Gaudreau's Christmas party? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Of course. I'll <laughs> that's be a fun, there. That's a fun Every year, that's fun. I know. And it I, was so I, I cool. Have a, I have a jam that I do. I host every Monday night on All Ages Jam. Remember I had you come a couple times when it was at Whips? Yep. Um, and it's on Monday, and it falls on that Monday, and it just it always happens that I have a special guest that I can't like ask somebody else to host it. Like I gotta, I gotta be there. Yeah. So uh, Brian that's Mace fun. went this year. Brian, Brian Mace was, was supposed there. to be my guest, and he goes, "Can I trade out with somebody so I can go to the Goodrow party?" Yeah. I go, "I want to go to the Goodrow party. <laughs> it's been so long since. I, it's probably been five years since. Oh I've yeah, been, at it's least. fun. Still we've, fun, right? We've missed a couple, of, but when we first went, remember the it was day we used to go downstairs and jam. Yeah. Remember when it would end that way? Yeah. We. I we, was so. I was so googly-eyed walking through and looking at the gold records on the wall <laughs> yeah, in Boston, and I was like, are you fucking shitting me? That's, That's a good. perfect I house could... for that kind of party, too. Oh, my God. So great, yeah. right? Yeah. So great. But we went uh, before we had kids. Yeah. So That party's been going on for... 30 years. Like I have... Like I saw... I saw uh, Connie and Barry's kids, and I, you know, they have their own kids now. And I was like, I, every yeah. time I see them, I go, all I can see are your little faces yeah. and your jammies sitting on those stairs, and your mother and father going, "All right, it's adult party time. Go to bed." <laughs> They're all in their little now. jammies. I know. Yeah. Good God, it's been a long time yeah. since that party's been happening every the Monday before Christmas every year. Mm. Yeah, they're yeah. great, great couple. Oh great my couple. God, so great. As we're wrapping up this podcast, I'm very excited uh, because Charlie brought all his gear up here, and uh, we're gonna he's gonna we're gonna have our own private oh, Charlie Farron concert up here in my garage, and I true. could not be more excited. So we're gonna end the podcast, and thank you so much thank for you. coming Fun. up, Charlie, and uh, Lisa and I <laughs> over and out, over and, and out. then uh, next thing you'll hear is gonna be Charlie Farron, the Farron amazing Charlie Farron. Can't wait. Boom. Boom. Okay, I'll go do it. The Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Pizza 911 of Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, their website is pizza911nh.com and their phone number is 603-625-2201. They have awesome pizza, calzones, subs, you name it, fried fare, sandwiches, um, and they provide us with all our food on Sundays when we record the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. So give them a call. Let them know that you heard about them on our podcast, and they will give you a free order of breadsticks. Again, it's 603-625-2201. And we were also brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. Uh, their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com, a great place to train, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, karate, uh, whatever it is you're looking to study. Uh, they have a great instructors over there. I've been training there for four years. Um, you can check them out at teamlinkhooksatnh.com, and you can also call them at 603-641-3444. Uh, ask for Ed Carr. Let them know you heard about them on the podcast. They will give you a free T-shirt and 30 days of free lessons. The Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast, brought to you by Team Link Hooks at New Hampshire, you can check them out on the web at teamlinkhooksetnh.com or you can call them at 603-641-3444. I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link and Hookset. I can tell you that they're one of the best places I've ever trained at. 
Um, there's a lot of great instruction there. There's no meatheads. Everyone there is there to help you get better at whatever it is that you're trying to get better at, whether it be Brazilian jiu-jitsu, karate, kickboxing, boxing, uh, mixed martial arts, whatever it is that you're looking to train in, they can help you get better. So go down there and visit Ed Carr. Tell him that the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast sent you, and they will give you 30 days free, and uh, that's it. Over and out.